0: Welcome Irish fans to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario, I'm the football analyst here at Irish Breakdown, and with me as always is the publisher at Irish Breakdown, and his name is Brian Driscoll. <laughs> you like that intro? I do, like, I do. Okay, you get you have to pause for effect, see that's yeah, the key. Yeah,
1: that's hey, you're the radio guy. <laughs>
0: Well, we're going to talk uh, about the Georgia Tech game. Uh, Notre Dame had a, a, a fairly resounding 31 to 13 victory. I think all of the degenerate gamblers out there were really hoping they were going to punch that last touchdown in because then they would have covered. Uh, but they did not.
1: Have gamblers won money on Notre Dame yet this year? If uh, they voted, if they took Notre Dame in the points, they
0: definitely did last week. Okay, against, against Pitt, Pitts. That's it. Absolutely. Okay, that's about it. That's, uh, I think that's about it. That might be it. I'd have to look, go back and look, but they definitely cleared it last week. Uh, this week, they were darn close. If they would have punched in that touchdown, they would have cleared it. So uh, there you go. Uh, but uh so 31-13 so it looks good on paper for the most part uh if you forget the fact that Clemson put 73 on Georgia Tech but uh so let, let's talk about the game a little bit uh wh- overall what what are some of your thoughts uh once that game hit uh, triple zeros on the scoreboard
1: you know I think I think there's kind of two crowds that we're talking to when we when we break down these games Vince it's the people who you know, just look at it and say, "Hey, a win is a win, right?" And they're right. A win is a win. You know, six and zero is six and zero, whether the you won thirty-one to thirteen or hundred thirty-one to thirteen. You know, six and zero is still six and zero. The other crowd is is a little bit more critical and believes that you know how you play in these kind of games is gonna is gonna be indicative of how you play when the games are even bigger. And of course, that first big game for Notre Dame this year is coming up next Saturday. So, you know, I when I look at this game, I say it was it was one of the most boring, dull. Beatdowns that Notre Dame has had in, in a long time, and and that's why I'd say it is where they, it was just so clear who the more talented, experienced deep team was. And when you look at Georgia Tech, they have a couple players that are really good, but overall, it's a bad roster. Sure. When, we, when we talked about that before the show, I mean, this is not a good team. There was never any threat of Notre Dame losing this game, and uh, you know, and, and Notre Dame did what they needed to do. I think that's the positives, you know, defensively. I think we continue to be impressed. We'll get into the specifics of that offensively. There's, there's some concerns, but the reality is, is, is Saturday is the perfect example of, of where Brian Kelly has brought the program in 11 years. And that is, you don't really worry about losing games like this anymore. You don't True. worry about losing no, to Pitt. That's a good point. You, you don't worry about losing to Duke. You don't worry about – I mean, th- those are games that Brian Kelly had – not just Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly, Charlie Weiss, Bob Davey, Ty Willingham, and even Lou Holtz to a degree in his last few years. You know, you'd lose to the Tulsa's, the Northwestern's, the Pitt's, the Louisville's. Uh, you, you know, I mean, the, and we really don't even look – I mean, we literally went into the Pitt-Georgia Tech game and said, there's no chance Notre Dame loses this game. That's correct. And, and, and it wasn't being arrogant. It was just – just number 1 we watch the film we see the stats we we do our homework and then also it's just history i mean you look at who Notre Dame has lost to the last 4 years they just don't lose games like this the only the only game that you could point to and say boy they they shouldn't have lost they shouldn't have lost that game you could maybe look at 2003 Stanford which wasn't a great team uh, and then last year's Michigan team but again those teams were i mean, I mean you're talking about Stanford in 2000 17 was nine and five and one of their losses was a two point loss to TCU in the in the bowl game, a top 10 TCU team to beat Oklahoma that year. He had a three point loss to uh, USC, who if you remember in 2017 was an 11 win football team. Uh, they lost by three points. actually they lost to USC twice that year. Uh, they lost by three points to Washington State and, and then three points to, uh, to San Diego State in a year where, you know, San Diego State was a pretty good football team that year, went 10 and three. So, you know, that was a good Stanford football team, way better than anyone that Notre Dame has played so far this year. And then last year's Michigan team was, you know, a nine and four team as well. And those were the two bad losses. Mm -hmm. I mean, you lost a top 15 Miami team in 2017, you, you lost to, uh, um I'm trying to think who the third loss was to in 2017 oh georgia eventual huh. national runner-up yeah remember that. 2018 one. you didn't lose to the playoff game and then last year you had the michigan game and then you lost to georgia who finished in the top 10. so you know that's the games that that's the next hurdle and we'll get into that here this week but these are the games that notre dame doesn't lose anymore right and that and that's a it's a good place to be it's a really good place to be because then you're a lot closer to that next step than you were when you were losing to Tulsa and losing to Navy and losing to, you know, to Louisville and Pitt and programs like that. So uh, I do think that that is that is where I've said in the past we we should be able to criticize Brian Kelly for not getting the program over the over the hump, but the people who also like to constantly be critical of Brian Kelly also need to appreciate that we're complaining about a boring thirty-one to thirteen victory. <laughs> You know, and and that's you know that's that's a place that's a that's a good place to be. Uh, now let's take that next step, and we'll get into you know how this game played out in and, and areas where I do think the the standard needs to be higher, and why we're so critical of Notre Dame's playing this game is because they're they're past that point. Now it's let's get to that next hump. And what do you need to do against teams like Georgia Tech to get to that next hump?
0: Well, and that that next hump is is right around the corner, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's uh, it's this week. It it is finally Clemson week, and. Uh, <laughs> Let's they, not get
1: too far ahead of ourselves. We got well, it's, it's Clemson week, my friend. If okay? we go
0: down that road, we're going to not talk about the
1: Georgia Tech game. Okay. And I do want to talk about that game, no, no, no because, absolutely, because I do think there was a lot to take out of it.
0: But we're, you know, we talk about the Georgia Tech game with the lens of Clemson because what we were looking for in in the Georgia Tech game were signs that this team is ready to play Clemson. Right? I don't think mm-hmm. that's that's uh, stepping out of bounds. So.
1: Yeah, it was just can you build on what you've done so far, right. and I think primarily on offense, I think that was really the big thing, and I and I think that was when I come out of this game, I, I have no issues with. Um, I have no issues with how the defense played. There's stuff they got to clean up, but they they played really good football. It's the offense yeah. that to me coming out of this game has me has me concerned.
0: Yeah. So let let let's start there. Let's start with the offense. Let's start with our concerns. Uh, at least where the offense is right now. We'll start with the coaching staff. Let's start with the game plan, what you saw from this team game plan-wise as far as what the offense put on the field and what they were trying to accomplish in this game. Because if I'm not mistaken, they came out of the chute uh, throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, but not beyond about 10 yards, and they didn't want to really run the ball at all, which was a clear place that Notre Dame could have taken advantage early on in this game. Uh, they chose not to. So uh, what were your thoughts on the game plan overall?
1: I had no problem with them not coming out and run, just running it down Georgia Tech's throat. I, I've actually had a problem with them doing that in the past, and I've, I've actually been critical of Brian Kelly for doing that in the past. They would come out and play an inferior opponent, and Georgia Tech is an inferior opponent. Sure. And you just beat them up. You just physically beat them up, and you don't really do anything to say, "Hey, what are the parts of our football team that we need to get better at?" Uh, and these are games where you get better at it, and and we saw some of that, but then other areas where we didn't. I think things that I liked out of this game plan. Um, I think Tommy Reese is starting to expand the offense a little bit when you look at things like you know the reverse to Chris Tyree, more screens. You know, you had some RPOs, although I still need, I would like to see more RPOs. We saw some RPOs in this game as well. Uh, you know, and the reverse call especially was one I really liked, Vince, because it was it was one where he kind of showed me like, hey, you're you're locked into what's going on, and you're and you're thinking a play ahead. And, and here's what I mean by that: the play before they faked a reverse with Chris Tyree, and so they ran a, an off tackle play to the right. It was like a stretch play. They ran Chris Tyree on like a fake reverse, and the backside safety and the backside linebacker just paid no attention to Chris Tyree at all. They were focused on the runaway. Tommy Reese came back to the reverse on the very next play and it went for 21 yards. That's good coaching. Yeah. Right. That that's that's like, okay, that's that's starting to, you know, get some experience doing this thing because hey, don't wait for two series when they may have made an adjustment. You know, don't let them get back to the sideline where the coach can correct and say, hey, look, when they run that reverse, we got to make sure that the safety right. don't give them that chance. Come back right back to it. And they did that. And it went for 21 yards. Got down to the two yard line, and it set up a touchdown. So, I did like that. I, I thought that we continue to see, you know, some some. You know, we had a, saw a look screen. Some people call it the now screen, whatever whatever you want to call it. They, that went for 16 yards. There was a little swing screen to Kyron Williams in the second half, where he caught it and went for 20 yards. You had Robert Haynes out there lead blocking for him. So, we did see some of that, and I and I like that. I think that their thir- their third down offense is exceptional. So far this year. I mean, exceptional. It's not, I mean, they've had 21 third down conversions in the last two games alone, which is not even by far the best two game stretch that they've had under Brian Kelly. And, you know, it's, there's a very intentional plan on third down. And what I mean by that is there's clearly concepts that they really like on third down, there's matchups that they like on third down, and they call plays for those matchups and for those situations. And a, a perfect example is, it was uh, – I think it might have been a second half, maybe second quarter or second half, second or third quarter. I can't remember which quarter it was. But they, they it was a third and four, a third and five. And they ended up getting 13 yards on it, and they were going left to right on the TV. And Avery Davis was outside in kind of a trips formation with a tight end as the number three receiver. And Avery Davis motions inside, like kind of near the tackle box, and then motions back out. And he's in a stack formation with the tight end. With well, the snap, the tight end runs a vertical route, takes that flat defender with him. Avery Davis kind of gets right in his hip pocket, and then once he gets to that mark, he just kind of snaps it off at the sticks, and you know he's wide open. It was clear they game planned that for a third and medium type of play, and it was very intentional, and it was a great play design. There was some creativity to it. There was, let me use this guy to set up this, and, and it was a great play call, and, and they do a lot of that, where on third down, it's like it's very clear in this situation they're trying to get the ball in this type of area or they're trying to attack this part of the defense my concern however is we don't see that kind of creativity that kind of intentionalness uh, i love making up words on this say, podcast i'm going to say
0: that's a good one
1: um, we're just not seeing enough of that in just the base pass offense it's it's all the same it's the same vertical concepts and the same you know horizontal concepts kind of over and over and it's just it's just they don't have the receivers they're, they're asking their receivers still to pretend that they're Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin, and they're not. And and people – fans can just criticize that and say, well, you know, that's why they're not playing as well because they don't have those guys. No, they're not playing well because they don't have those guys, but they're asking the guys that they do have to play like those guys. It's, and that's right. that's my point. It's the whole
0: square peg, round hole right. situation. Right.
1: What has what Brian Kelly always said, right? And he loves to say this, you know, and I think it's because he thinks – because it's his side of the ball. He always says this, and, and, and he's right. He's not wrong. Look, on defense – you need dudes, right? On defense, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, right? And he's always said, but we can scheme up some points on offense. He's always said that. Well, you're not doing that, though. That's the problem. Sounds awfully you're...
0: Charlie weiss this to me. But
1: it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely true uh, because on offense, it's much easier to call plays that will protect certain players sure. or accent certain players or you know do different things like that where – it's just harder to do that on defense, especially in today's era of college football. But Notre Dame doesn't do that. They keep asking their their receivers to be dudes, and when they don't have dudes, like we saw in 2017 for much of the year, at least until Kevin Steffers came back, we've seen it other stretches of the year when you know early last year when when you had Chase Claypool, but then Cole Komet was hurt, Michael Young was hurt, Braden Lindsey was hurt and and we just didn't see as effective of a pass game but you were still asking those guys to play like you asked Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool to play in 2018 and and that's my problem we're seeing much but when you get into those third down situations you're seeing you know more intention in what they're trying to do my whole point is do that all the time you know and it's the same thing like in the red zone Red zone when they would run the ball in the red zone, the exception of the one time Kyron Williams fumbled, right. which is a problem. He's now fumbled twice, twice early yeah. in games that have set up points for the other team. Other one being Florida State. That that's not okay. Um, you know, and and again, it didn't hurt you against Florida State. It didn't hurt you against Georgia Tech, but it'll kill you against Clemson or Boston College or North Carolina or even Wake Forest. The way the Wake Forest is playing, they're four and two now, and uh, the rematch against Clemson. So, assuming Notre Dame is there, but um, which I think they will be. But my, my point, Vince, is when you when you look at this, you look at their red zone offense. When they run it, they're really good. Yeah. But then they get that drive where they, they call a – I actually thought it was a really well-designed play. They emptied out the back – they had two running backs in the field, emptied out the backfield. The, the defense overreacted to Chris Tyree going out of the backfield. Ian Book drops back and just takes off running. Well, that got him into the red zone. Well, what do they do next pass? Drop back pass, drop back pass, drop back pass. Incomplete, 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 incomplete field goal. <sighs> And I don't have a problem throwing in the red zone because what did the first touchdown come off of it was a pass. Sure, but what was it based off of? A a run action. Yeah, you know, and and you're you're in a situation where it's run heavy. You move the pocket, and and that's the kind of thing we're seeing. But they're getting these situations where. They're running concepts that would would work when they're out at midfield, and they're it's, it's like they're trying to run those same concepts in the red zone, and they're just ineffective.
0: Yeah, because everything's condensed, right? I mean, that that's right. What people don't understand is you can't run the same stuff when you have a wide open area, and you can stretch the field. You can do different things. That there, there, there's a, there's you have a level. to alter it. If yes. you're going to do
1: it, you have to alter it to some degree. Right. So like you can run smash at midfield, and you can run smash at the ten but how you teach it is going to be different. And this is what I talk about the lack of nuance. So you want to run smash in the red zone. Here's what you do instead of running a hitch in a corner route where now the corner, because of the condensed field can now undercut that corner. The the corner back can undercut the corner route more effectively. So what do you do? You China that route or you, what do you call a smasher? I mean, you can, you can do a pivot, whatever people call it. China is an old school name for this route where you work that guy inside and then you kind of get that corner to sink down underneath him. And then he works out. And now that corner's kind of staying down on him. And now you have more room over the top, right? You see people do that all the time. Uh, or you run it off of a. Um a condensed look where one of the receivers actually runs more of a slide route where the corner has to run with him as opposed to sitting on a hitch route. So you're running the same concept, but you've nuanced it in a way to where you're now influencing the corner more where he can't just play between the two of you. And those are the kind of things that you see a lot of teams do uh, that you're just not seeing Notre Dame do. And, and that's what I'm talking about is, is there's just, there's, there's good nuance on third down. We just don't see it in the red zone and we don't see it in their base pass offense. And the base pass offense is still just asking guys to be really good individual players. And they're just, the problem is twofold. Number one is the guys that are good enough to do that, they're not targeting enough. And that's that would be uh, Michael Mayer and and Tommy Trumbull. And the guys that they're, they're asking to do that just aren't those guys. Javon McKinley will flash like he did on Saturday. Javon McKinley played very well on Saturday. Very well on Saturday. He played very well against Florida State. The problem is Javon McKinley either plays really well or he's terrible. That's the problem. And that's been his MO his whole career. Now, maybe he fixes that now against Clemson, but so far that's what he's done this year. He played great against Florida State, and then he comes out against Louisville and Pitt and does nothing You know, and, and drops well, – how many balls did he drop against Louisville? Too many. And, and that that's my point is is you're, you're asking him to be Chase Claypool. Well, he's not. With all due respect to Javon McKinley, he's just he's not. Is he a good player? Absolutely. But you're asking him to do things, and that's not fair to him. And my whole point is, this isn't a Javon McKinley knock. This is a Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese knock. That you you need to do more things that that get Javon McKinley going. Yeah. And 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 that to me is 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 one of those things where do some like for example, what was Javon McKinley's first catch on Saturday? A crossing route. He's pretty good. After, he's a faster player than people realize. Yeah. Javon McKinley's faster than people realize. He had another catch where he made a catch, where on a scramble where he made a play. and He cut back and he gets extra yards. He did that last week against Pitt. Those are things Javon McKinley can do well. He caught that in cut on on the first drive. Went down and made a very low catch, and then he kind of got into a flow, and then you shoot go deep with him, and he makes a play. Right. So like to me, know who he is, Javon. It, once you Javon's a kind of guy. And I had a receiver like this once when I was at Duquesne Vince where we had to get him like a hitch or like a quick out or something early or a screen because we couldn't throw him a bomb on the first play. Right. Because it's like he would, he just, it would kind of get him in a funk, you drop it or what. You know, so you kind of had to get him into a rhythm and then, then you start getting him deep. It, it, and you have, yeah. Some players like that. Some guys want to bomb the, like, hey, coach, just first play of the game, man, just throw me a post. I'm, you know, whatever. Uh, Javon's just not that way.
0: Well, and and yeah. yeah, go ahead, Vince. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's just like when you hear people talk about getting a quarterback into a rhythm, you know, th- throwing some screen passes, throwing some slants, throwing some hitches, you know, gets them into a rhythm, and then you can start going downfield. Right. Why do, I mean, running backs – uh, wide receiver, they're all the same, right? There, there's some guys that need to be kind of eased in to the game plan, mm-hmm. and then there's other guys that you can, you know, hit them with the big play right away. You you have right. that's all about coaching and knowing your guys,
1: right? My issue with Notre Dame is they just run their stuff, right? And, and that's really the easy way to say it. we're going to run our stuff, and if you can't do it, sorry, uh, and then then we're just going to keep blaming you for why it's not working. Yeah, and that's my frustration. Same thing with Ben Skronik. They are so misusing Ben Skaronic. It's not even funny, and what I mean by that is there needs to be snaps where he's in the he's in the slot. You know, uh, go to tight ends if you want to, and put him in the slot. Put Tommy Trimble outside, and let him ISO on a linebacker or safety. He used to make a living doing stuff like that against Northwest at Northwestern. He's really good at finding spots in the zone. And so again, my issue is not that Ben Skaronic can't play. It's not that at all. Uh, my issue is that the the part of the reason that Ben Skaronik has been so unproductive this year—he had one catch for eight yards on Saturday—and uh, you can say, "Well, a pit game again." We're six games in, folks. Yeah. Right? So when when you can point to one game out of six, or in his case, because he missed some games, one game out of four—that game's the anomaly. Right? You have to look at what is being done on a consistent basis. And again, my issue is not with Ben Skaronik. I think Ben Skaronik could be a very productive player in this offense if used correctly. Same thing with Javon McKinley, if used correctly. And Saturday was just another example of the Notre Dame staff saying, this is what we do and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And if it doesn't work, then it's not our fault. And, and that's just, I'm not saying that they're saying that, but like that's the kind of mindset because they're not fixing it. And, and there was just no aggressiveness. In the game plan i felt like there was a couple plays here and there but there was no aggressiveness like i wanted to see this offense come out vince and just take it to georgia tech Mm -hmm. and just and 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 even the first drive i mean they needed a scramble they needed and they just out talented georgia tech it was not an impressive drive it was an impressive drive statistically 15 plays whatever many yards you took 47 minutes off the clock right you know it, it was it was it was an impressive drive because you've got really good players It was not an impressive drive from the standpoint of you didn't execute very well on that drive. You just were way better than them. Because Georgia Tech, we talked about this in the podcast, Georgia Tech offensively has some dudes you have to worry about. Georgia Tech defensively is not very good. Mm -hmm. And Notre Dame just didn't take advantage. They just were simply better than Georgia Tech was. And and that's where I'm coming from. If you put together a 15-play, 81-yard drive and you take seven minutes off the clock against Clemson, golf clap. Oh, my. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Well done, guys. You know, But, but again, you're not going to out-talent Clemson the way that you did Georgia Tech, and that's where I'm coming from, Vince. And kind of was my frustration with the game plan is you didn't do anything offensively that said we're building on what we've done, what we did last week. And we're building – this was kind of like, hey, let's just get out of this game with a W and focus on Clemson. And that's just not, in my opinion, uh, that's just not what the, the best teams do. I just don't think that's the way – um, that that you go about your business, in my opinion.
0: So, uh, one of the topics that was a hot topic during the game, and we talk about, uh, it, you know, we're talking about out, you know, talenting another team, right? So, uh, one one of the topics that we talked about in our game day chat was the fact that uh, the offensive line. I don't know if I want to use the word regressed. But they were kind of back to the whole, I'm going to catch uh, when we're running the ball. Uh, inside, yeah. yeah. Which, the which, inside which, guys, for sure. Which, what that means is, when you're catching, that means you are absorbing the blow. You are not taking the fight to the right. de- defense. And uh, there was a little bit more of that on the interior of the offensive line on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, that's. I'm not concerned yet, because it was, like, like what did I just say? Uh, in the opposite direction. When a guy does something great once, but he plays kind of – he's not making plays in the other – that's the anomaly. Well, so far, what we saw Saturday was the anomaly uh, because they have been doing that, and that's what we praised them for against against Pitt. So, But it was concerning because it brings up flashbacks for Absolutely. me. Absolutely. And that's where I get more concerned. You know, looking at it just from the, the, the lens of 2020, I'm not too concerned about it because it, it is Georgia Tech. You do have Clemson coming up. But the the bigger concern for me was Tommy Kramer was starting to it seemed to me was starting to find his groove, and I thought he played really well against Pitt. He didn't look right on on against Georgia Tech, and I'm not even saying he didn't look right from a from a you know his executioners. He didn't look right. He didn't look. I, I would go back and watch the film, Vince, uh, t- tonight or tomorrow, uh, whenever you get a chance, and watch him play. He looks stiff. Like, and I don't mean stiff. Like he he doesn't like stiff. Like it's just who he is. He looks stiff compared to last week, and he didn't. He looks slow compared to last week, and I wonder if there might not be something wrong with him. Uh, and, and then Jarrett Patterson, I think, has had a couple games now in a row of regression, where he's not moving his feet, um, and. And I thought inside too, I thought they had a lot of problems with the line games. Yeah. That Georgia Tech was doing. And so and I think that kind of factored into the catching. They just they didn't look like they had been as prepared for what Georgia Tech was throwing at them as they had been in previous weeks. And and that was concerning. Because look, they they ran for two hundred and twenty seven yards, but there's a reason I said I've said multiple times this year, I don't care about how many yards you run for, because it's like I said last week against Pitt. Hey, they only ran for 115, but, but I praised them because 115 in context of what was going on, was, was I liked what some things they did. So, in uh, being fair, I was not impressed with the 227 yards because if you look at it, there's only about 160-some of those yards came in in designed run calls. The rest were scrambles and a reverse, which the offensive line had no say in whatsoever. Um, and then a good chunk of that 160-some came on the final drive of the game, and that's where I was really – that's why – that final drive where they ran the clock out, the final two drives really sort of took me off the ledge because I thought especially that last drive, I thought and they were really physical and they really took it to Georgia Tech a little bit. The, the execution was a little sloppy, but uh, and Josh Lugg had come in for Tommy Kramer at that point in time. And, you know, so so they got better in the fourth quarter, I thought. Uh, not a ton, but they got better. So that kind of brought me off the ledge a little bit when the game, when they're trying to run the clock out, the offensive line said, okay, we, we got this. And and that was good. But I just, I'm not seeing Aaron, I'm not saying you know, Aaron Banks was, you know, he was good. I thought he was good. You know, not great, but good. But, but Jared Patterson's just his footwork is slowing down. He's getting a little, you know, starting to lunge a little bit more. Um, he had a couple really good blocks up the middle, a couple good combo blocks up to the second level, but, I saw a guy that was flat footing it a lot in this game, and it was causing him to beat get beat up the gaps a lot. And I'll, and I'll give Georgia Tech credit; they were coming off the line hard. But the thing is, Vince, they have always done that. And we talked—I I believe I, I did like four radio shows last week, <laughs> so I'm, it may have been on somewhere else. But the thing I said: even when they lost, were getting killed by Boston College, they competed. When they were getting killed by George Clemson, they competed. When they were getting beat by Central Florida, they compete. This team fights. I, I really like what Jeff Collins is doing. He just rosters. Limited, and they're just young. They're, I mean, they're super young. But they battled, right? Well, it's like Notre Dame wasn't prepared for them to play hard. Yeah, you know, and it's like that was problematic for me, and and that's why I felt like you know, oh, we scored thirty-one points, and like, look, do y'all understand that this was a defense that when they played against Central Florida, Clemson, and Boston College, this is a defense that gave up an average of fifty-six points per game. Five hundred and eighty yards per game and seven point one yards per play. And Notre Dame scored thirty-one. So okay, well they, you know, could have run it into. The, well they tried to run it into the end. That surprised me. I've never seen I Brian Kelly to try to. Very surprised. Yeah. It's almost
0: like he had money on the game or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shh, shh,
1: shh. I'm not touching that one. Um, I'll touch it all
0: day long because that's exactly what I said to the TV. I'm, I'm not touching that one.
1: But you know, it's like that's like the fumble, right? That wasn't that wasn't. Well, if he doesn't fumble, that wasn't like a uh, a play where like you know you you you. It wasn't like the Clemson fumble on on Saturday against Boston College where the quarterback made a mistake, you know, handed the ball off at the guy's chin. Boston College didn't make a play there. No, Georgia Clemson Tech just made a the mistake. <laughs> Georgia Tech made the play. And 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 that's a I mean that's a that's a that's a problem, you know. That was that was you just not doing what you needed to do. So, that's my thing is it was just a really unconvincing performance and again, if it was just an anomaly, I'd be Fine, it is what it is. They were looking past. They were looking past because this is a valid thing. They were looking past Georgia Tech and playing Clemson, and I completely understand it, and and that's fine. Just look, just get this win and get into Clemson. I would have. I had that. I have that mentality of the defense. I'm absolutely defense. Don't develop any bad habits. They didn't. Don't get hurt. They didn't. Okay, cool. Win. Yeah. Because why? Why is it? Why is the standard different? Because this whole season. That side of the ball has played like a team that's ready to go compete for a national championship. Yeah, I agree. And 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 the anomaly for them is the Florida State game. Right. And even the Florida State game where they gave up 26 points, Kyron Williams fumble, Lawrence Keyes at fumble and punt return set up 10 points. Right. So their quote unquote bad performance is a performance that a lot of defenses around the country, you know, if Oklahoma was holding people to 26 points, they'd be undefeated. <laughs> You know, um, so so they get the benefit of the doubt because they have a proven track record. The offense does not. And that's why I'm a little bit more concerned because they needed this perform... They needed this warm-up game where they just came out and steamrolled and took some shots and hit some shots and hey let's get let's work on a couple concepts that we want to use with Javon or with Ben let's move Ben Skoranek around a little bit this game you know let's let's get Michael Mayer outside to see how the defense handles it let's make Clemson prepare for a formation where we go tight ends outside Javon and and, uh, Skoranek inside or whatever You, you know what I mean like let's give them stuff to worry about and then run a seam route with Chris Tyree right down the middle of the field you know what I mean just do some stuff like that. And there was a little bit of that with Chris Tyree in the first half, and then the second half we didn't see him.
0: Well, it got, it got me excited, to be honest with you. I posted that in the game day chat. I was like, oh, hey, uh, reverse to Chris Tyree. Thank you. And right. then we never really saw anything yeah, and, and, again.
1: Yeah, and then there was another drive, the the drive where they, they threw three times and, and uh, didn't get anything. That drive, Chris Tyree had a nice six-yard run. He had a 16-yard run, and I don't know if we he carried maybe once the rest of the game.
0: Yeah. They had five total carries, I think. So yeah, yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah. So yeah, there just there was just some stuff where, it, it, again, here's the other thing, and, and I know it's a broken record, and some people are going to be tired of hearing this, but it's a fact. You have played two and five Duke, one and five South Florida, two and four Florida State, two and five Louisville, three and four Pitt, two and five Georgia Tech, and you have gotten your freshman wideouts into the into one game, one game. This was a perfect game to give those kids a couple plays and see what they could do. And if the lights were too bright, then it, it is what it is. You don't got to worry right. about it. And if you don't want to talk about the freshman, Lawrence Keys, where, where was he?
0: Yeah, I don't think he's. All Joe field. Wilkins
1: made a touchdown pass. How many targets did he get after that? Maybe one. Right. So it's like it's again, it's a missed opportunity to see what you can do. See what see if Lawrence Keys is healthy. See if he's back. You know, and then and there was a play, uh, fourth quarter, where he ran a seam route and he is open. He catches that ball from Book, and he's got one guy to beat, and he might go. And Ian just was unwilling to throw the ball. He was just unwilling to push the ball downfield. And, again, if that was just this game, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But, you know, Vince, you're playing a, a, a Georgia Tech team that's just not good, a right. Georgia Tech team that that we've seen teams throw over their head all game, and Notre Dame threw eight passes beyond ten yards. 14 of of Ian Book's completions were under 10 yards. That's just, you know... That to me is just again, it's a missed opportunity, and that was my frustration. But I do, like I said, there were some things I like. I love their third down plan. I like that they got Chris Tyree involved early. You know, and maybe there's something going on where like they, you know, they they just don't want to. You know, you're getting to get in this November stretch, and sure. they know that they need Chris Tyree during that time, and they just don't want to take a chance of wearing him out. There, there may be something to that. And that would you know, be
0: fairly legit, to be perfectly honest. Absolutely, with you, as a true freshman. I get right. That. And if
1: they, and if they called me, if if somebody called me and said, hey, look, just so you know, here's why we haven't used Chris as much. The last two weeks, because we know we need him against Clemson in North Carolina. He was getting a little bit banged up because he runs hard. Because Chris Tyree runs hard, and, and and we just you know we wanted to get him some touches, give Clemson something to think about, give BC and North Carolina something to think about. But we don't want him so so that's why I'm not losing my mind about Chris Tyree not that, getting more touches. That phone I, I'm call, really not.
0: That phone call would be refreshing if yes. I if I heard that. To be honest with you, because yeah. that would tell me that there's an actual plan in place,
1: right? And so I'm going to somewhat give him the benefit of the doubt, and see, and you know, and if they use him this weekend, then we'll know hey, maybe that was it. Right, so that's why I'm not too upset about it because they have used him, you know, and obviously they're using Michael Mayer, but it, it just in a lot of ways, I felt like this is a game that they needed to really build on what they had done, and they 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 missed that opportunity. Now it may not matter this weekend; they may come out and be completely locked in and play their butts off against Clemson, and and, and I hope that they do. But this game certainly did not give me any confidence that they have figured they've figured out the things that have plagued them this entire season. Because let's be honest, this is an offense that's played a lot of. Mediocre football teams, mediocre defenses, and they haven't really lit the world on fire against those teams, and that's um, that's concerning. Nah. Maybe it's because they they've been looking forward to Clemson this whole year, Vince. Maybe the <laughs> schedule has been so bad that they've been looking forward to this Clemson game. Okay, that's fine. I somewhat buy that, but yeah,
0: well, you know, I mean, the funny the the, the what cracks me up is how often have we heard, oh, Notre Dame needs to join a conference, needs to join a conference, blah, blah, blah. They joined a conference, and now they get pushed back about their now, schedule. Now everyone's
1: complaining about right. how soft their schedule right. is. Right. It's like, can you, guys fig- can you guys just pick a lane and stay in it? <laughs> Notre Dame's going to finish this year and, and play probably one, maybe two teams that finish in the top 25. Sure. Maybe. Because North Carolina's not even ranked in one of the polls. Really? They, they're, they're 24th in the
0: other. They're nosediving fast.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just got beat by two really bad football teams in three weeks. I and mean, That's not a good sign. Right. And their defense is just not there yet. But that's what's hilarious. It's like, oh, Notre Dame plays a off schedule. Okay, Notre Dame's like, okay, we'll show you. We're going to join the ACC. <laughs> We're going to play Clemson twice and still play fewer top 25 teams right. than we play every other year. Right. Uh, you know, so I think that, 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 that part of it's kind of funny, but yeah, I mean, but I will say this, this is where the schedule starts getting a little tougher because BC showed on Saturday. Look, BC had a, a, a four point loss to Clemson where, you know, they were in that they were, they had twice in the fourth quarter, they had possessions with a chance mm-hmm. to go down and win the and game. And bat- I'm telling you, if Zay flowers catches that sideline go oh. route, which he should have flipped and caught, he tries to one hand the ball that's right in front of him. If he catches that ball, we might be having a different conversation when we do our Clemson preview. Uh, you know, but and then they lost late to North Carolina. So I mean, the schedule gets tougher. It's not getting easier. So maybe Notre Dame's offense has been kind of overlooking all these bad opponents. Maybe that's the case. But that just, rationally speaking, that doesn't make a lot of sense because you, you, you know, you think Clemson has not been overlooking their terrible schedule so far. I mean, who have they played? I mean, Wake Forest, right. Citadel, Virginia, Syracuse. Miami, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, yeah. Boston College. Their lowest point total was 34 points against a 4-3 and BC team with their true freshman quarterback. And they were missing three defensive starters, and they just went and hung 34 points up on BC. And, you know, so I just – yeah. And I'll tell you right now, their offensive line is nowhere near as good as Notre Dame's offensive line. All right. So, anyway.
0: So, uh, I'm looking at our outline here. Did you – you kind of covered Ian Book. Is there more that you wanted to say, or do you want to jump into the defense? I think we're ready for the defense. I, I mean, think so we, we've kind of hammered that enough. I think so too. I know, just want to make and, and sure, and we'll talk
1: about it more when we when we do our Clemson preview and some other stuff we have planned for this week.
0: All right, so you know, defensively, I mean, they've given up two touchdowns in three weeks against three different opponents, and again, the competition has not been you know stellar. But actually, I'll just can I can I disagree with you on that? Absolutely, the teams
1: they've played
0: aren't very good. Okay, fair they've enough. played
1: two really good offenses during that stretch louisville has a very good offense and notre dame held them to a touchdown and 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 i'm not i mean again it's it's about what side what you're facing the notre dame has not played good defenses all year and the only good defense they played they they scored 45 38 offensive points on but you look at louisville and you look at what louisville's done again they lost this weekend but it wasn't because of their offense i mean they lost to virginia tech this weekend they scored they scored 35 points had 548 this is louisville's last four games 400 uh 27 points 471 yards 5.8 yards per play uh 48 points 569 yards 9.3 yards per play 35 points 548 yards 8.4 and then there's that game mixed in between where they had 233 yards and scored 7 points. It was against Notre, Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, so and and I would say that that Georgia Tech I also believe has a good offense. It's not great, it's young, but you know, this is an offense that put four thirty-eight on Florida State. This is an offense that put four seventy-one on Central Florida. They put four fifty-three on Syracuse. They put four fifty on Louisville. And I thought they had a, a pretty decent day against against Boston College. When when they're not turning a ball over, this team's pretty good. And and Clemson and Notre Dame both completely shut them down. And so to your point, yes, Notre Dame not, has not played very good teams during that stretch. But I do think they've played two pretty good offenses. And every Notre Dame fan saw on Saturday, Jameer Gibbs is a dude.
0: <laughs> no doubt about that. <laughs> he, he's a dude uh, in the return game. He's a dude in the receiving game. He's a dude <laughs> yes. in the backfield. Yes. I mean, he's going to be dangerous. And, yes. I mean, he's only a true freshman.
1: And, Je- and so is Jeff Sims, true I freshman. Agree. And and those are two really good football players. And, and Notre Dame, shut them down. Georgia Tech had 88 rushing yards. Right. It's so their lowest total of the season. And, and, By almost 20 yards.
0: And I hate to say it, but Jeff, Jeff Sims, uh, his line, his, his stat line, doesn't look a whole lot different than Ian Book's stat line. Just saying. Except for the rushing, right. actually. Right. Yeah. So just throwing that out there. Yeah. But um, but anyway, so defensively, overall, your thoughts, and then let's talk let, – I want to talk about the defensive line, too, because we, we've talked in the past about how the pass rush needed to step up. Uh, statistically – they stepped up in this game. Um, but is there still some holes there?
1: Pass game wise, yeah. So overall defensively, there was, Brian Kelly mentioned after the game, he was not that he was critical, but he was he was pointing out some things they got to improve on. And and to me, I was happy to hear it because that's what a coach should do with a team that he expects to play at a very high level. They did not play at a high level from an execution standpoint. There were some mis- mistakes, there were some mistakes. They had a couple t- couple times they turned guys loose. Right, You had Ovia Gofu kind of losing the tight end late. Tight, the quarterback missed him. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu is coming on a double edge blitz. He needs to uh, peel and take a, take the wheel route because the running back had a free-release wheel route. He should have peeled and picked it up. He didn't, so they just kind of threw it over his head, 30-some-yard gain. So there were some things like that they needed to clean up. But I also thought they played really well. I mean, they completely shut down the, the, the Georgia Tech running game, held them to 88 yards, which I said was their lowest total of the year. Yeah, 2.7 uh, a rush, by the way. Also, their lowest total of the year, and, and and you know outside of a couple runs by and, and when Jameer Gibbs was gaining like two three yards, they were impressive two three yard runs because he they were making him work for it. Yeah, and I thought the defensive tackles continue to just there's nobody that's great inside, they're just all really good and they just do their job and they play hard. I mean, there were times in the past, like with Kurt Heinish, for example, where I say, man, I. You know he would. He's really good on this snap, and then this next snap he's getting blown four yards off the ball. And and we're not seeing that from him this year. I mean, you could count on one hand the snaps that we've seen it like that. And yeah. that's always going to happen there. I mean, every, you're going to lose some. Sometimes you just they catch you at the when you're you don't have both your feet locked on the ground. I mean, you know how it is, Vince. It's just sometimes you, you you're stepping and you're halfway to your step and they just they hit you with that double team and you get knocked. And, it happens. And that's the thing. A double team.
0: That's two versus one. Okay, right. So, but I mean,
1: really battling. I thought Jacob Lacey you know, it's really turned into a nice little gap eater. And and Myron Tungvaloa is playing. He's starting to look like the dude that we that, that he was last year. It's now two games in a row I thought he looked like the guy that we saw early last year before the injuries settled in when he was, you know, arguably their best defensive lineman for several games early in the season. And, you know, Jason Adamiola is playing really well. Riley Mills is starting to come along. So I really like what I'm seeing from him in the run game. Uh, on the edge, the run game was, was good. It wasn't great because I thought that Adi Takumba Ogundiji wasn't great. Isaiah Foskey had a couple mistakes where he didn't get off the block or didn't set the edge effectively, and they were able to get outside of him. But I thought, like, Justin Ademiola, for example, he was really good. And when you're getting your backups making big plays, a perfect example uh, that what makes this defensive line so good is you're getting big-time plays when the starters aren't even on the field. Mm-hmm. And an example is, I think it was, when was the second quarter – they were in third and two. Georgia Tech was in the third and two. It was, I think, it was near midfield. I'd have to go back and look on it. It was like kind of creeping up towards midfield. Third and two, they ran right at Justin Ademiola. and he comes off and he hits the tackle and just knocks him back. And then as the ball carrier gets close to him, he just throws the tackle down and hits the guy and makes a stop. And it brings up fourth down. And they punt the ball, and that's your backup strong side end. And your backup defensive tackle, your backup or nose tackle, Jacob Lacey, comes off, eats up a double team. They just stones the double team. They get nowhere. He doesn't blow them back, but he just stones the double team at the line, which means there's no hole there. And so it's you versus Justin Adamiola, and you're not going to win that battle. I don't care how good of a freshman running back you might be, you're not going to win that battle. And and that's that was a big play coming from two backups. And, and you can tell that Mike Elston uh, doesn't really – what I've noticed from Elson is he doesn't rotate in his starters for big moments. He trusts the rotation. Yeah, and and that says a lot about the job he's doing to prepare these guys. But it also says a lot about the guys that they're putting in the game. I mean, you know, I thought Dalen Hayes um, played well. I I thought I thought the linebackers had some good moments. I thought the safeties were brilliant. I thought the corners played very well with one exception, and even that was just a, a really good ball. Again, you know what I mean? I mean, I'd like to see Nick McLeod play that ball a little bit better, but that was a really good throw. Well,
0: the one that he Jeff just kind sins. of floated right over the top. Yeah, the the and, I mean,
1: he was in decent coverage. I like to see him play the ball a little better, but sometimes the guy just, you know, sometimes you got to say, hey, you know, offense did pretty good there. So overall, defensively, I thought they did good. Pass rush-wise, Vince, it was interesting because I thought overall the pass rush wasn't wasn't that good. And I think if, what I mean by overall is just a snap-by-snap basis. There was too many snaps in this game where Jeff Sims was comfortable in the pocket. Yeah uh and that wasn't good however they made in the second half i don't know if they made adjustments or guys just started playing better or what but the second half they really turned it up and not only did they come away with sacks because i i think sacks can be an overrated Barometer for how effective a pass rush is because a team drops back 35 times and you get five sacks and like three of them are on third and ten where the quarterback's holding on the ball, hoping somebody comes open and that's ah, third down, take a sack, whatever. Um, uh, you know, or you know, into the first half, and and you know, you sack him as he's trying to throw Hail Mary. Sacks can be very overrated. And in this game, for example, I don't think the pass rush overall was big, was important, but the reason that these five sacks were good is because they were impactful sacks. You know, and you look at the, I think the first sack they got was the Dalen Hayes strip sack in the third quarter. That was a big moment. It was 17 to 7. They had just hit a bomb that got him into, I think they got down to the 27 yard line. If they get a touchdown on that drive, it's 17 to 14 in the third quarter. Right. And now all of a sudden this young football team has a lot of confidence. And they actually think hey, we might actually be able to win this game. And instead. You have Dalen Hayes come screaming off the edge. He does a great – he just gets low. He dips that shoulder down under the tackle, gets around the guy, sacks the quarterback, Notre Dame recovers. Yeah, sacks are great, but it was an impact sack, and that's what matters. And there was another one later. He forced a fumble. It was uh, – they had – Isaiah Foskey had a big sack on a first down completely through the drive off. Dalen Hayes had a second down sack and a fumble, which resulted in a six-yard loss, and all of a sudden it's second and 16. That drives all but over. And so – That's what I liked is there was the impact sacks. And then, you know, Sean Crawford had a sack as well in the game. And that's really what I liked from it is even though they played sloppy in some areas, when they they needed to make a play, somebody stepped up and made a play. And let's be honest, Vince, the touchdown drive Georgia Tech Tech did get was during a part of the game where Notre Dame started subbing dudes in that weren't normally part of the rotation. I mean, th- that doesn't take it away from it because Kyle Hamilton was still in. I mean, they saw their starters in, but they were working some dudes in that, that you know, weren't playing in the first half, if you catch my drift.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, th- there's one position I wanted to ask you about, and you, you kind of mentioned it in your last answer, but uh, you, you said the safeties played brilliantly.
1: Oh, man, one, yeah.
0: one One of the, the positions we were worried about at the beginning of the season, and it was based on the play that we saw on the field was Sean Crawford and how he was adapting – to playing safety so I want to ask you about number 20 how did he play
1: well in this game I I thought he played very well and he's still a little up and down you know I thought he played really good against Louisville uh I thought he was not as good against Pitt uh I thought he was really good in this game I thought he played well in the down the alleys he had a big sack in the game uh I thought his coverage was sound uh did a good job you know taking things away uh, and there was one particular play in this game from Sean where they ran. Try, I'm trying. I think it was a read zone. I can't remember the play, Vince. Honestly, I just remember the, the uh, a guy getting outside. I think it was a read zone where the quarterback pulled, and it's just him and Sean in space. And if he, if Sean doesn't make that tackle, that's a big gain, I and mean, it's a big gain. I don't know if you remember the play that I'm talking about. George Tech was going left to right, and it's like you know, that's a big play. You know, and, and those are the kind of things that Sean has always done. And, and there's been games in his career where I didn't think he'd play well, but when a play needs to be made, he's going to make it. He could tackle poorly for three quarters, but if he has to make an open field tackle against the best player in the country in the fourth quarter, he's going to make yeah. the tackle. He's I mean, that's just the kind of guy yeah. Sean has always been. He's clutch. I love that. Uh, But I thought he was really good in this game. I thought Kyle Hamilton was brilliant in this game. I thought Houston Griffith played really well when he got in in the second half. Him and Hamilton sniffed out that two-point conversion. Yeah, Um, It was funny. Uh, Houston sniffed it out, and then Kyle just like ran past him to make the play (laughs) because he read it too. But I thought Houston played well. And and Kyle really made plays all over the field, and that's when he's really at his best. I mean, he had the – you know the, the he actually ended one he made a big mistake in the game that gave georgia tech a chance to to move the chains on a fourth down but then he was the reason they were in a third and long to begin with and then he ended the drive and it just that sequence kind of shows that just how good he is and you know it was a first down play they ran a screen and he just read it perfectly and just like within four steps took like gained like 20 yards and just ate up the screen then on third and twelve, they ran sort of a, a double cross. So from from uh, crossing routes from each side, he stepped left, and because he, but he had help over there, he should have stepped right. Because what Georgia Tech did was they ran the double cross, and then they had I think it was a back or a slot kind of ran a slide route to take Jeremiah Wusu with them. So Kyle's got a squeeze on the cross coming from his left, and then he's got to trust his other defender to take that other cross. Well, he stepped to the cross of the left. And was late getting across the, the 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 play that was coming right across his face, and the guy catches it, just sits right in the hole, catches it for a ten yard gain. So it's third and twelve, and all of a sudden it's fourth and two. Right? That was a mistake, Kyle Hamilton. Neg That's a minus on the grade sheet. So what does he do? On fourth and two, oh. he reads the pitch play and just blows up the running back in the backfield. So it's like, but isn't that what great players do, right? Like, there's no great player that doesn't make mistakes. Absolutely. There isn't one. Yeah, right. But what great players do is when they make a mistake, you make up for it. And that's exactly what Kyle did. Next play, they brought him off the edge, and he just reads the play perfectly. But he didn't make a play by being over-aggressive. He made a play by playing within the structure of the defense and then using his talent to make plays. And it's a, and it was a well-designed call. I mean, Notre Dame was loading up. Notre Dame thought they were going to run inside zone or some kind of inside read zone or something like that. And they ran a quick pitch, and Kyle read it, stepped, took off, took off, and just blew it up. And I mean, and then you know they tried to throw at him in the end zone. I'll never understand why people try to throw at him. Even <laughs> that, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, he's, he made a play on it. He's just he's he's. They used him as a weapon in this game, and I think they needed to. Because he and Jeremiah Wusu can be kind of the equalizers, and teams are starting to to game plan away from Jeremiah Wusu. Oh, absolutely. And Clark Lee did a really good job against against Georgia Tech of using Kyle Hamilton as the counter to that. Right. Which is why he was around the ball so much. But so that's if you want to avoid do. Wusu on this side, that's okay. We're going to have Kyle Hamilton over here, and now it's pick your poison. And uh, and, and that's great coaching. That's knowing your personal and that's great coaching. Yeah. And on Saturday, the thing that's impressive about the game on Saturday is there were three guys in this game that played like five stars. And is Jeremiah Wusu and Kyle Hamilton and Dalen Hayes. Because, you know, Dalen Hayes gets a lot of credit for the sacks, but he had other big plays in the game. I mean, he had a a couple really good edge sets. He had a play where he read a read zone perfectly, stuffed the back, you know, for like a one-yard gain. Uh, Georgia Tech had, I think the first drive of the game, Georgia Tech got a first down. They were moving a little bit. And then he drops into coverage, wings uh, completely reads the, the perimeter swing, beats the, running, beats the lineman to the ball. He missed the tackle, but by the guy having to kind of make a miss, by that point in time, you had uh, Myron Tungvaloa and Shane Simon were out there to eat it up. And you know that was a big play. And you say, yeah, I'd like to see him finish it. But you know, again, that's what your teammates are there for, right? Right. So I just thought those three, when you can get those three guys kind of playing like like we think they're capable of, because like what we saw from Dalen Hayes on Saturday is stuff I've been talking about for years. I've seen him do that in practice. Somebody, somebody asked me, "Have you ever seen Dalen Hayes play like that?" I said, "Not in a game." Vince, you and I have seen him do that in practice plenty of times. Absolutely. And that's what's kind of been frustrating about him is because it's like I know you can do it, dude. Just let it rip. And after the game, he kind of talked about, you know, I'm just part of part of a one of eleven, and, and I'm like, yes, that's true. And I think, but I think that's that attitude hurts him. Yeah. Sometimes I want Dalen Hayes to just say, I'm the dude, I'm the man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, coaches asking me. Not, that doesn't mean if coach asks you to drop into coverage, you rush the quarterback. That's right. not what I'm talking no, about. No, no, not at all. But when you get your opportunity to say, hey, hey, buddy. We need you to make a play. Go make it. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that this is the kind of game that Dalen says, hey, you know what? I am a stud. And I'm going to go out and play like it. And, yes, I am one of 11. And I think that's fine. But one of 11 sometimes means that you need to go out there and and be the best of the 11, the best one of the 11. And we see that from Jeremiah Wusu. We see that from Kyle Hamilton, and on Saturday we saw that from Dalen Hayes, and that means you now have potential to have a stud at every level of the defense. And when you have a stud at every level of the defense, you're going to be really good. Right now, they definitely have two. If Dalen Hayes can carry what he did on Saturday into future games, now you have three, and and that's that's where that's why I feel the defense is in a, is in a great position to continue playing very well, even as the competition team overall team competition gets gets tougher
0: so real quick i I did want to touch on shane simon and the buck linebacker position it's so far this year uh it it seems like the buck linebacker position is kind of the elephant in the defensive room right (laughs) i mean the the the, the weakest link as they say so uh is he progressing is he getting to where he needs to be going into the clemson game because it's clear that notre dame is riding with shane simon as the starter
1: well, there's a there's two ways to answer that one. Um, part of the frustration is the the best play we've seen from the Buck linebackers are two guys that rarely have played since then, and that's that's Jack Kaiser and Jack Lamb. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> Shane Simon's their guy, and look, they're not going to have Marist Louisville for the first quarter of the Clemson game first or first half, half of the yeah. Clemson game because of the targeting. You know, look, I thought Shane played better on Saturday. I saw progress. Is he, it, it, that's part of the question. So is he getting better? Yes, he's getting better. I thought there were still times when he was um, uncertain and he was too robotic. And what I mean by that is there's there's two levels to teaching, right? The first is, you know, you teach a kid, here's the technique I want you to do, right? Right. A curl route is you run twelve yards and you stop, right? Mm -hmm. And that's great. First day of practice, you set up the cones, they run twelve yards and they stop. But then you get into games and it's like, okay, but now you got to tech his leverage, you got to alter it this way, you kind of got to have some nuance this way. Shane doesn't play it that way. If the coach says drop at a forty-five degree angle, Shane's dropping at a forty-five degree angle, right? And and that's just um, that's just. But Saturday, I saw less of that. I saw a guy that was trying to make reads and be decisive. Um, I saw a guy that was beating blockers to the spot far more frequently than he had in the past. So he wasn't getting blocked as effectively. There was one particular play where they were trying to seal him inside, but he just was he was he got downhill too quickly for the guard. And it wasn't on a play where he ran. He because what we've said in the past is he's good if you just if you blitz him, and blitzes can be for runs too. And he doesn't have to think; he just goes. On Saturday, I saw him getting downhill on plays that didn't look to be run stunts or blitzes. He was just, okay, I diagnosed it and I'm gonna beat this guy to the spot. And he did. That's that's progress. And I thought he was he carried over, I thought the good coverage we saw in the game against Pitt. I thought he carried that over a little bit into this game. They didn't he didn't wasn't asked to do as much man as he was last week, but I thought he did a good job kind of getting his depth, getting underneath routes, uh reading screens, things like that. So it was it was definitely a step in the right direction. Is he ready to play Clemson? No. He's gonna have to continue to get better than what he had, but it's two games in a row we've seen some progress. Right? Coverage against Pitt, overall play on Saturday. And and it was overall play, again, Georgia Tech's 2-5. and five. They're not very good, but against the people that Shane Simon had to go against on Saturday, they're pretty good. And, and I thought that was a positive step for Shane. Now, if he can look at the film and say, you know what, there's still a lot of stuff to clean up, but man, okay, I'm starting to figure it out, and then kind of take that next step. He can end up being a good player because the one thing about Shane is he's physical and he is athletic. Now you just need him to to, to be less robotic yeah. and more instinctive. And if you do that, he's got a chance to be a very good player. And I think that's why Clark Lee's being so patient with him because he's got everything Clark Lee wants. He's intelligent, he is really athletic, uh, and he's physical. It's just he's just not a great football player right now, or a good football player right now. But Saturday gave me hope that the, the big-time recruit that I thought he was coming into high school, we saw a little bit of flashes of that yeah. on Saturday. Now he's got to take that next step. All right. And you know what you didn't talk about, Vince? What's that? What did I miss? Corners. Ah. And, 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 and to the point is, outside of one play, we hardly heard anything about the corners. <laughs> and I've always said corners are kind of like umpires in baseball. The less you hear about them, the better they play. And we talked coming in the game that this is a pretty good Georgia Tech team, receiver wise. They Malachi Carter, uh, Jalen Camp, those are good football players. And outside of that one play down the field, I think it was to Jalen Camp, and that was just a really good ball. They shut him down. I mean, Nick McLeod overall, other than that play, was really good. Trick Bracey was really good. So I just think as a whole, the secondary against a group that we said coming in was, you know, not not elite, but talent. pretty good. Um, I thought they completely shut them down and it was a really, really strong performance. And and once again, it was a, there was some sloppiness, but overall it was a really good 11 man performance. And, and I thought the depth was impactful. You had a lot of different guys coming off the bench. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that Clark Lee is going to look at on film and say, Hey, we got to fix this. We got to fix that. But it's now talking about from a position of, of, okay, we didn't play elite on Saturday. Right. We only played like a top ten defense on Saturday, not number one. Mm-hmm. That's where the defense is, right? And that's the different level where the offense is like, okay, you're not even playing like a top twenty offense right now, and and the defense is like, okay, we were only tenth on Saturday. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that's a that's a good place to be, but they're going to need moving forward. They're going to need the offense to to play better because my you know my my stance on this in today's era of college football, great defense can get you to the show. Off, you need the offense to be on the same level to win a championship. No doubt. And half of it is there, I believe. They need the other half to to step up. And as we get into what we're going to do next, Vince, this would be a good week to do it.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, let me commend you, number one, for a yet another baseball reference, two shows in a row that I've been I, on. I know my team. audience. <laughs> so I just want to commend you for that. I did not; It did not go unnoticed by me, uh, so I appreciate that. Um, but we're going to put a bow on the Georgia Tech coverage uh, with the end of this podcast. 31-13 victory for the Irish. Make sure you check out irishbreakdown.com. You've got all of the analysis, all of the breakdown uh, of the Georgia Tech game. And now I think we can officially say that it is on to Clemson. It is now right. officially Clemson week. And we've got some great stuff in store for you uh, this week. We're going to... Uh, in. I don't know if that I want to let the cat completely out of the bag yet. Not, not quite yet. Okay. Not quite yet. Okay. We're not there yet. But we're excited uh, to bring you Still guys. Still some
1: things, some things I got to sign, some stuff we got to figure okay. out to make sure that the time, when the timing of it is. All but right. Hopefully soon. All hopefully right. Hopefully soon.
0: Well, I'm excited about it. Uh, so hopefully we'll be bringing you some new stuff this week uh, for the Clemson week. It, it kind of timed out perfectly uh, for this week. And. Um, you know there'll be a lot of eyes a lot of ears on what we're doing and that's fantastic we couldn't be more excited we got what we wanted we've got an undefeated Notre Dame team we got an undefeated Clemson team going into the night game at Notre Dame Stadium seven thirty on NBC I'm so fired up for this game yes uh, it is going to be a big one and we're going to break it down every which way for you uh, so don't worry about that
1: let me say one more thing, Vince. I want to give a big shout-out to uh, to all the Notre Dame fans that are listening to this show. A couple things. Our last few podcasts have been by far our most listened to yes. of the year. Uh, this past month of uh, the month of October was by far significantly uh, our best month at Irish Breakdown. And we're now a little over a year. Um, I was looking at it the other day. We, we've had a significant increase when you look at where we were at this time last year. And this past week, Georgia Tech week, was significant. I mean, it's not even over yet and it's still way better than any other week that we've had. And, uh, obviously our growth is not possible without y'all and we appreciate you guys being with us and we are looking forward to continue to grow. Keep telling your friends about us, you know, spread the word, retweet our stuff on and, you know, share our stuff on Facebook, but more importantly, just, you know, just continue to be a part of what we're doing. And, and we really appreciate that. I know I really appreciate that. We put a lot of hours into this, you know. I I don't sleep a whole lot, um, as Vince knows. Uh, we put out a lot of content, and um, and it's great to see it grow, and and just to see the community grow. That's been a lot of fun. But again, we can put all the work, but you are the ones that have to come on and, and join us and be with us and uh, and be along for the ride with us. So I appreciate that. Really appreciate what you know the, the loyalty and and the, uh, you know, sticking with us, and, and I, I can't wait for what we've got going on this week because, like you said, this is a great opportunity for Notre Dame to take that next step. They're going to get two cracks at it. I truly believe they're going to get two cracks too. at yeah. it this
0: year. I do, too.
1: And, look, I'm not expecting them to beat Clemson. If, if they beat Clemson twice, then I'll never say another bad thing about Brian Kelly, you know what I mean, unless they go to the Slow playoff down. and get and – Slow that. Get, get, no. <laughs> I mean, you know, as far as, like, being the winner and all that kind of stuff, you right. know, unless they go to the playoff and lose – you know, 42 to 14 again, but, um, but I think they're, they're past that part of the program, I believe. But anyway, big opportunity for Notre Dame, but also, you know, like I said, at Irish breakdown specifically, it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. And when you guys, you know, when I, when I put all the work into an article or Vince puts all the work into a podcast and then we see it just getting the views and getting the interactions and people along with it, it just makes it so much more fun, enjoyable to do it. And, uh, and we we thank you and appreciate uh, no doubt. all the support that you all have given us. And we're looking to get even more. I want next month. I want to be here you know, December 1st talking about how November blew away October. Right. And uh, and that's going to be up to you all. We'll I really have, appreciate we'll it.
0: We'll still have two games to talk about in the regular season at that point. And hopefully an ACC championship <laughs> right. game. Isn't that nuts? Oh I love it.
1: Gosh. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, they haven't moved the early signing day
0: yet. Oh, that's right,
1: and, and I do think there's going to be a little bit of fun intrigue this year. Oh, on look the at you, November, December, early signing Dropping day. Nuggets. That's all I'm going to say. It's all I'm going to say. So, Dropping uh, anyway, but again, hey, to all of y'all, appreciate y'all being on part, a, a part of what we're doing here, and it's really been a fun year. This flown by, it really has. Yeah, uh, and just to see the growth and and all the changes, it's it's been a blast, and I'm I'm looking forward to a lot more great months and great years with all of y'all on board with us, and then a lot more people. Bring everybody. we right. all, all Notre Dame fans. Bring it on.
0: Let's go. That's right. So make sure you stay locked in to irishbreakdown.com and stay tuned uh, to our podcast because there's going to be more where that came from. So we appreciate everything, and go Irish. <laughs>